Welcome back to Conversations with the Archbishop with your host, Colonel Jack Staples. back to Conversations with the Archbishop. Last week, we had the honor and pleasure of Archbishop Daniel from the Oxford Anglican Church joining us in the studios for a conversation with our host, Colonel Jack Staples. This week, we're bringing you the second part of that conversation. And once again, it is time for Conversation with the Archbishop, where you're sitting here with Archbishop Daniel of the Oxford Anglican Church. Hello. uh, Which is headquartered in East Ridge, Tennessee. Right outside Chattanooga. How are you doing, Archbishop? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very well. We appreciate you coming back to sit down with us to uh, get grilled a little more. Glad to be back. With apologies to uh, St. Lawrence on that. I want to know, we talked about the turn and burn years. When you when you were a child and you felt like you were being told that Jesus loves you and therefore he's going to send you to hell unless you... Can become perfect. Uh, we talked about how you were tricked into going to church where you found the love of Christ. Uh, I want to learn a little bit more about how you went from 20-something starving, thank God somebody's offering me a free meal, oh wait, there's church involved, to becoming a seminary student. Tell me a little bit more about that time period, if you don't mind. Uh, it seems like everything within my, uh, for lack of a better term, Christian career, I've been tricked into doing. And uh, I had felt the calling, but I was trying to push it off, you know, because uh, I was young. I, I think when I became a priest, I was 26, uh, almost 27 years old. And uh, a lot of people, including myself, thought that was just too young. Uh, and then I had a friend, uh, who decided that we needed to go to the seminary together. He had a dream. God showed him the path. He talked me into it. We both sign up. And then six months later, he drops out and I'm, I'm stuck because at that point, uh, I was so, so far into the studies that, um, uh, I was starting to enjoy it. And so uh, I kind of got uh, tricked into into going to seminary, but it was definitely my choice in the end to become a priest. Excellent. So you talk about the calling that you felt. When's when's the first time you remember feeling that calling? Um, honest answer. Honest. I was probably eight years old. Listening to a red-faced Baptist preacher screaming into the pulpit and me saying, I can do that better. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I think that was probably the first tug. But uh, throughout the years, I I began to develop uh, in my early 20s uh, the sense of the priest being more than just a... uh, 
I figure, you know, most people, go, most people see a priest and they're like, that's a holy guy who can't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely uh, almost attracted to the actual struggle a priest goes through. Really? Uh, dealing with um, being a human being and trying to serve God and be a representative for God that expects, that is expected to uh, be perfect. Uh, How'd they work out for you? Uh, I'm not perfect. Uh <laughs> Of course, uh, you know, being a priest and then eventually becoming a bishop's had its ups and downs in a personal life. Um, It scares a lot of people to Mm -hmm. to know a priest. Some people, when they find out, they'll act differently around you. And I just do my best to alleviate that and be normal because I don't want people to have that turn and burn mentality. I want people to see Jesus and see God in a light that is uh, accessible and friendly, which is the way I feel it should be. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your life outside of the church. Uh, what What are some of your interests that uh, uh, that don't involve the church? That, yeah, don't necessarily. Um, I have been playing guitar for sixteen years, and uh, I am currently learning how to be a gunsmith. I, I love shooting guns and building guns. Nice. What you, what What do you think it is that attracts you to uh, gunsmithing making all the little pieces fit into something that is tangible and accomplished hmm. you you take uh you take something that's got all these little tiny pieces and if one piece is out of place uh the whole system fails and it's your job to make sure that they all turn when they're supposed to like clockwork uh, do you, do you find that that work has anything in common with the work inside the church? Absolutely. Uh, more than more than I expected. Um, when I became a bishop, I just kind of assumed that I would just be a priest who wore a funny hat. Uh, and it turns out that, you know, you have to help a lot of people along the way uh, to make sure they fit into where they're supposed to fit so that the whole machine turns. It's, it's really a lot like gunsmithing or working on a car. So you like working on cars as well? I don't like working on them, but I can. <laughs> uh, working on cars can be an infuriating nightmare. But again, you're, it's accomplished when you're done. It's, it leaves you with a feeling of accomplishment. Excellent. Well, what else do you like to do? Um, well, when, when Rusty, as opposed to Archbishop Daniel, when Rusty's out having a good time. Uh, Rusty loves to camp. He loves to hike. Uh, I, don't really, I don't fish and I don't hunt. Uh, the most I do with a gun is uh, kill paper targets. Uh, I like the idea of, of doing something that makes me slow down and actually try. I like something that doesn't come to me second nature. And uh, uh, I love camping. I love being outside. I love, uh, for me, I think, I think being outside is the, the easiest way to spiritually connect with God. And I think it's, the, it's a good way to... Uh, Challenge yourself and see what you're capable of. Excellent. Thank you very much. For for those who might be walking into a room where someone's listening to this podcast and you don't know what's going on, just to let you know, we're having a conversation with Archbishop Daniel uh, Rusty Lowry of the Oxford Anglican Church, uh, headquartered in Eastridge, Tennessee. Yes, indeed. And when you're looking for someone who might be clergy... Within your church, what are you looking for in in a person? Well, um, 
I actually tend to not look because I have found that if you if you look if you try if you try to recruit, chances are you're you're gonna you're gonna pick people that aren't called, and then you're just putting their life uh, through a miserable set of circumstances that always end badly. Uh, if you're not called and you try to do it, uh, you'll fail bad, bad. It's uh, I've seen people's lives, people who thought they were supposed to be a priest, um, put themselves through like needless torture emotionally, and uh, and then I find the ones that are called, I can't get rid of. Uh, so really, I don't find priests; they they find me, and then I. Uh, I will talk to them, I will pray with them, help them discern, and then I turn them over to our capable seminary and let them go through that process, which uh, is, is a long and strange journey for some. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your personal journey through seminary, if you don't mind. Uh, okay, my, my personal journey through seminary is a little bit different than the ones that, that my guys go through now. Um, I went through seminary uh, with a church called the Charismatic Catholic Church, or was it, was it the Catholic Charismatic? It was the Catholic Charismatic Church. I always get the I always get the two confused because there, there's actually two churches. One is the Catholic Charismatic, and one is the Charismatic Catholic. I went through the Catholic Charismatic Church seminary, and um, it was very uh, a surprising process. They start you off with these workbooks that. A lot of people struggle to get through because um, they're the least Catholic thing that you could possibly do. They're they're very Protestant in their mindset, which isn't bad. But most people that are going through seminary are, tend to be gung ho Catholics. And uh, once you get past those books, though, it went straight into this um, studying for the end test, which is. Uh, it was 500 questions, and it was based off of the old, uh, the old Roman Catholic um, requirements from the 1800s, and uh, it required a lot of study and required a lot of one-on-one -on -one with a priest, and it was uh, it was one of those processes that I always described as how bad do you want it, you know? If it, yeah, it's really annoying at times, and it's really hard, and it's really challenging, but. Uh, how bad do you want it? You know, uh, if you finish it, you can you can finish at your own pace. You could be a priest in six months, or you could be a priest in four years. And uh, for me, I think I was in seminary for six months, seven months, and I was made a deacon six months in, and then I graduated uh, a month or two later and was made a priest. Uh, I was made a deacon in October, and I was made a priest in April. And I got to be a priest for a, a whole year. <laughs> wow, that's that's an experience that uh, definitely we need to talk about, going from priest to bishop in, in a year. But I'm going to save that for a later date. Okay. Right now I'd like to ask more personal question of you. Sure. It's start with a broader question. Do clergy in your church, in the Oxford Anglican Church, do they derive their living from the church? No. Uh, all of us have a uh, vocational job, and what we what a lot of us call it is our forty hour week part time job, and uh, we're not supported by the church. 
because uh, we would prefer that money if there is extra money in a month to go to people who need it, not to us for you know preaching. Uh, I have yet in my career to find a uh, a situation where I can't have a job and pay my own way and still serve God. So what do you do? When you're um, I manage a team of IT reps for uh, a website. And uh, I've got about 25 people under me, and we handle all IT problems and technical support for computer users. And then I've got a priest that works for uh, the police department. I've got another one who works for a steel company. And I've got one who works for an auto parts store. And uh, uh, I even know people who work for Books a Million and, and Bilo and everyone I know. That we've got school teachers and wrestlers. <laughs> so, uh, and nightclub managers. I mean, that's. So I, I don't mean to disrespect anybody's occupation, but I wasn't expecting you to say wrestler. I know, I know. Like I said, if you come to my church, it's it's a weird group of people. Excellent. So let let's cover a little bit. I want to go in depth in our next session about your church and the future plans of the church. But just real quickly, real uh, broad, big picture. Okay. Uh, what do you see? What is your vision for the Oxford Anglican Church? Um. That that was a question that I really had to consider uh, when we formed the Oxford Anglican Church, and uh, it was never it was never meant to be the next Vatican. It was never meant to be the next big uh, big thing where we had thousands of people in mega churches. I think instead, what we want to do is bring the church to the people who need it, bring the church to the people who want to explore that Catholic faith and uh, but want to maintain the Holy Spirit. You know, and I'm not saying that you're not going to find the Spirit in the Catholic Church, but uh, we have we have people in our church who are very, 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 you know, in tune with the Holy Spirit, and uh, we don't discourage people from talking in tongues and celebrating the gifts of the Holy Spirit at all. And I think that uh, there's a niche for that in every community, and if it's brought to, if it's brought to us that, that that's something that's needed, then I think the vision is to, you know, get them a priest out there and help them worship, whether it's two people or 200 people. <laughs> so Archbishop Daniel, I certainly appreciate your time sitting down with us, answering a few of our questions, and I really do have quite a few more. If there's any way we can invite you to come back and continue this conversation at a later date. Yeah, we can make this a semi-annual thing. Excellent. A semi-annual, that means we can do it once, twice, three times a week? Yeah, I'm, okay, I would thank love you very much. that. All right, thank you Our for sound engineer is going crazy over here. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us for another conversation with the Archbishop. Yeah, thank you. Wow, what a great interview with the Archbishop of the Oxford Anglican Church, wasn't it, Colonel Jack? I certainly enjoyed sitting down with him, learning more about Archbishop Daniel and about his church. And I'd like to point out that if people want to learn even more about him or his church, they can find links at our website, 
godswolf.org. We look forward to having him back next week as we have decided to make this a weekly program. You can return to godswolf.org where the program will be listed. That's right. Every Sunday night, we will have new programs of Conversations with the Archbishop because he was kind enough to agree to come back and talk to us every week. So I look forward to learning more about not only him and his church, but about his worldview and his take on current events. This has been a production of God's Wolf Productions, recorded live at Upper Room Studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm Father Scott. May God bless you and yours.